All right, good morning, everyone. I'm Emily. Um, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1. Um, I'm going to re be reading Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and then jumping down to verse 11. So if you're following along in your Bible, just be aware I'll read the first verse of chapter 1 and then jump down to verse 11. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shelatiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, and Abiad the father of Elikim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eliza, and Eliza the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, fourteen generations. Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see you all here. My name's Jared, I'm the pastor here. Wonderful to get to preach to you this morning um, from God's Word. And um, will you join me as we pray, please? Father in heaven, we, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving. You are good and glorious, the creator of everything, the ruler of everything, and uh, the, the Savior, Lord. We, we praise you. We thank you for uh, this opportunity we have to gather together. Uh, we pray that you would open our eyes to your truth, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to us, uh, that you would enable us to see clearly and um, to be changed um, by what we hear as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, so I'm, I'm delighted that you're here this morning, whether you've been here um, for the whole eight and a half months that we've been here, or um, maybe, maybe this is your first time in church ever, however you uh, fit in. So good to have you here with us. Um, glad to see people back from holidays as well. Nice to have you home. Um, and uh, it's, it's really a great opportunity for us to get together this morning and think about what God is saying to us. Uh, today, we're wrapping up a three-part series that we've been doing on Matthew 1, uh, which has been looking at some of the titles of Jesus. So looking at how Jesus is the, the son of Abraham. Uh, then, then we saw uh, how he fulfills all of those promises. We saw how Jesus is the son of David, the king. And, and now we're looking at how Jesus brings about deliverance from exile. So uh, you, you might have noticed that um, the, the reading was a bit split. If you've been here for the past three weeks, you would have heard the whole 1 to 17. Feel free to go and read it yourself. Um, Emily did a great job with those names. Uh, <laughs> I'm not just trying to be mean <laughs> to give you difficult passages to read. Um, so basically, we've looked at those three different sections. And today we're looking at that last one. Um, but don't worry if you haven't been here, it's totally fine. You'll, you'll be able to pick up with what I'm putting down, I hope and pray. Uh, so as, as we saw that Jesus is the son of David and the son of Abraham, we're going to see that, that there, was, there was promises made by God in the Old Testament. We'll see that they're partially fulfilled in the Old Testament and then we'll see that they're completely fulfilled in Jesus. Before we get stuck into that, um, I want us to think about uh, a little bit of an illustration and it's to do with the common cold. Um, who's had a cold ever? <laughs> yeah, nice. 
For those of you who haven't, let me know what you did to not, <laughs> not get a cold. Now, we all get colds from time to time, don't we? I mean, some of us get tired and cranky. Others, others get, you know, pretty annoyed. Or I think I always realize how much I take it for granted that at other times I can breathe through my nose. <laughs> That's, um, and, then, and then there's the, the remedies, aren't there? And everyone's got their own sort of thing that they tell you. Um, I've heard a lot, and I'll tell you some of them. So uh, one is to, to, to sleep as much as you can and drink lots of water. I think that's what I usually try and do. Others have told me to get under a lot of blankets. You know, if you've got an electric blanket, turn that on and try and sweat it out. <laughs> turn the heater on, you know. <laughs> yeah, have some chicken soup. That's also a good one. Um, some, other, some other people, uh, yeah, I had a friend who would always take me to a Chinese restaurant to go and get really spicy soup <laughs> so you can kind of like singe whatever whatever was there, numb the pain, you know, um, <laughs> hopefully not infect the other people at the Chinese restaurant. And then, and then others say get some cold and flu tablets. Um, and there's obviously, there's different kinds of cold and flu tablets. There's, you know, those ones where you have to show your driver's license. I find those work better. <laughs> um, but it's this last remedy that I want us to think of, the cold and flu tablets. Um, and why? Why do I want to think, think about that? Well, because they, they, they do and they can deal with the symptoms of the cold. Um, I'm not a scientist, but, but I, I know that, that they, they in themselves can't deal with the, the viral condition that underlies the cold. They can't actually cure that. They can give you symptomatic relief, but they can't cure the underlying condition. So it's not to say that they're not significant. They are, but a deeper cure is needed. Something that goes to the root cause. And today we're going to see, um, so God's Old Testament people, we're going to see them get sent into exile. We're going to see how God promised to bring them home, how they were brought back, but things weren't quite right, and how Jesus makes everything right there. So, we begin. The situation. Uh, the people of Israel and Judah were sent into exile, and the Bible tells us that the reason they were sent into exile was for their sin. Now, exile might be a familiar concept to you, or maybe it's something you haven't really heard of or, or spent too much time thinking about. Uh, when I've heard the word exile, my mind's often gone back to the Lion King. Um, when Simba spends time in exile after his uh, uncle Scar tells him he's responsible for his father Mufasa's death. Um, so that, that's what I've often thought of when I thought of exile, you know, being cast out somewhere else. Um, so that's an example. What, is, what does it mean? Well... Exile refers to being in captivity in a foreign land under foreign rule. So that's what exile is. And to be exiled is to be sent into a foreign land under foreign rule in captivity. And it's a really important concept that comes up quite a lot in the Bible. And one that we probably don't talk about as much as we could. Um, and and, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a huge area that comes up. And it comes up here in Matthew chapter 1, talking in, in the line of Jesus significantly mentioned alongside uh, Abraham, David, and then the deportation to Babylon. And so, God sent his people, his Old Testament people, Israel and Judah, into exile, into captivity in a foreign land under foreign rule because of their sin. I want you to imagine for a second what that would have been like, being in a different place, uh, being, being somewhere that you, you hadn't been before, uh, you're trying to come to terms with, with being in a new place, being under a different rule. Uh, you've got captors who rule over you. You've got culture shock, uh, trying to understand yourself in the midst of that situation. 
And um, even more than that, trying to understand your relationship with God in that situation. Have you ever watched Border Patrol? Well, so today we still see people exiled for doing the wrong thing, don't we? Um, Like smuggling drugs, for example. But it's not often, um, if ever, that we see an entire nation of people sent into exile uh, in a foreign land under foreign rule for their sin. There's a collective dimension to that, um, which has a much greater impact on the people and on their culture, how they understand themselves, how they understand their relationship with God, than one person being deported by the border force. Before we explain the exile of God's people, we must first note that God's people were split after Solomon's reign, and they were split into the northern kingdom. That's the ten tribes that were torn away from Solomon and given to his, his servant, Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Nebat's a great name, by the way. Yeah, any, any people looking for names for their future children? Uh, so that was the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, and then the southern kingdom, two tribes, kept because of David. And it's important to know this because these two kingdoms were sent separately into exile. Both were exiled um, under different rulers and they had different promises and different ends. So God sent the northern kingdom into exile in Assyria. Uh, that's Israel. That, sorry, Assyria is not Israel. Israel is the northern kingdom who was sent into exile in Assyria. And the people of Israel there intermarried with the people of the land They followed idols, took on the customs of the people around them, the surrounding nations. They stayed there and ended up becoming the Samaritans. So that's that's kind of what happened there. And then God sent Judah, the southern kingdom, into exile in Babylon, where they were oppressed by the Babylonians. But even as this exile for Judah is promised, there's hope for Judah. Um, And that brings us to God's promise. Just to say, I've got a number of passages. I'll print those out and bring them for you next week so that you can have a closer look later. Um, but we're looking in 2 Kings 17. You see the, the, uh, the promise that God, um, you see the, the judgment that God pronounces saying this. Um, I'll just read to you from 2 Kings 17, 6 and 7. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. So you see there, with the people of Israel, um, like we, we said, they were sent into exile for their sin. And now in Jeremiah 25, uh, we have the same thing come up, with the people of Judah, so that is the the, the two tribes um, that were kept for for David. So this is the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah, and in verse 8 it says this, in 25, Jeremiah 25, 8 says this, Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land, and its inhabitants, and against all these surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction and make them a horror, a hissing, and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will banish from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstones and the light of the lamp. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years." 
Then, after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and the nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. I will bring upon the land all the words that I have uttered against it, everything written in this book, which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. So we see here, God pronounces this judgment, both on the people of Israel and on the people of Judah. Both of of his sets of people have sinned against him, They have rejected God, that is, they've rebelled against Him, they want to do things their way, and God judges them by raising up other countries to take His people into captivity somewhere else. But there's a glimmer of hope in there. Do you notice in that promise to to, in in the in the statement to the people of Judah through Jeremiah, it says that they're going to be there for a specific period of time, for 70 years. Now, 70 years is a long time but that's not forever. And so we see that God who promised this exile also promised that there would be an end to this exile right there. So there's hope. Yes, 70 years is a long time, but it's not forever. And God also promised that he would judge those that he had used to bring his people into exile. So God is in control over everything that's going on. He's, he's the ruler over everything. And so he can raise up kings and bring them down. And so he brings up kings like Nebuchadnezzar to take his people into captivity. And then he brings them down and brings them back. I want us now to have a look at a promise uh, in Jeremiah 29 that may be familiar to you. Um, it's in, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 10 to 14 there. Jeremiah 29 verses 10 to 14. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God graciously promised to bring Judah back from exile. He, he, he promised to prosper them, not to harm them, for a future for them, not, not to bring evil upon them. God hadn't given up on his people even when they'd given up on him. Not, not because they deserved it, but because of his grace and because of his gift. So we've seen, we've seen that situation there of the, of the people rebelling against God, being sent away into captivity. And even as God does that, he makes a promise that I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you home. You're going to be with me again. And that res- restored relationship that he promises as well. You'll pray and I will hear you. That, that, that communication restored. And around the same time, God makes further promises in Jeremiah 31 um, about these new covenant promises where he says that he'll write his law on their hearts, uh, that he will be their God and they will be his people. He will forgive their sin and remember their iniquity no more. And those promises are made to the people of Israel and the people of Judah. So we see these things in the Old Testament partially fulfilled. Uh, As promised, the people of Israel and Judah were taken into exile in Assyria and Babylon. 
And so God used the kings of the nations to accomplish his purposes as he said he would. Uh, But remembering that God planned to give his people a hope and a future, we see God use the kings of the nations not only to judge his people, but also to restore them to the land. God stirred up Cyrus, king of Persia, to call upon the exiles to return to Jerusalem. And this is pretty astonishing, really. Um, A Gentile king whom God spoke to and told to send the exiles back home. What? Imagine that. You've, you've got a whole bunch of prisoners living with you. They can do stuff for you. And, and, then, and then God tells you to send them back. God is really in control of what's going on here. Uh, he isn't restricted by who's in power. No, he, he, he knows what's going on. He's planned it perfectly. And you can read Cyrus's edict or his rule there at the end of Chronicles or the start of Ezra. Um, and he, he, he says that if, if for all of God's people who, who want to go back and build a temple, you know, go. Um, you're free to go. And so, in response to the call for God's people to go home and rebuild the temple, some do go back. Some do return back to the land. Um, but not all did. Many remain in exile, including the northern kingdom. So if we come back to Matthew 1, which Emily read to us earlier with the big long names, we see that the amazing thing is that the genealogy keeps going after the deportation to Babylon. You think about it, God's people continued. They didn't cease in exile. Uh, if, If you're reading that, you think the deportation to Babylon, that doesn't sound good. But the records kept going. God's lineage through through David and Abraham, he had made it so that it kept going meaning that there was still true hope for a lasting deliverance. The returned exiles who who did go back started to work at rebuilding the temple. Um, There's there's an account in Ezra 3, verses 10 to 13, where we see the people's responses to this. Uh, Many of the older men wept loudly, while many of the younger people shouted for joy. And and the, the, the shouts get so loud that you can't distinguish between whether it's a positive or a negative. Now that's got to be pretty loud. Like, yeah. Some of the people were back in the land by God's grace. Praise God. The temple foundations were being laid. Praise God. And yet, the temple was not the same as before. God took his people out of exile. But in order to bring ultimate fulfillment to his promises, he needed to take the exile out of his people. Like with our common cold illustration earlier, uh, the geographic relocation is significant. God promised to bring his people back and he did. So like with the cold, dealing with the symptoms is a significant thing. But there's an even more significant rescue that needs to take place that deals not only with the symptoms in the case of the people, their geographic location being in exile, but with the root cause, the reason why the people were sent into exile. And as God told us earlier, they were sent into that exile for their sin. And, and sin is not a unique problem to the peoples of Israel and Judah. It's a universal human problem, uh, one that we can't escape ourselves, one that we need rescuing from. You see, we, we all deserve God's judgment. We deserve to be sent into the ultimate exile of hell for our sin. And it's only through God dealing with that sin that his promises find their ultimate fulfillment. He can bring us truly out of exile by taking the exile out of us. 
and he does this in Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew records that Jesus is given the name Jesus, uh, and, and he tells us why. So I'll read that for you also in Matthew chapter 1. Um, have a look down in verse 21. She, that's Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. You see, Jesus can bring about the true return from exile because he deals with the thing that led the people to be sent into exile in the first place. He doesn't deal with just the things on the surface, but at the very root cause of all of these problems, our sin. And how does he do, how does he do it? Not by papering over the cracks or turning a blind eye, but by going to the cross for us, by bearing what we deserve on himself. Jesus paid the price to purchase our salvation with his blood. And having dealt with the root cause, Jesus promises us a return from exile, a return that cannot be taken away from us. For all who turn and trust Jesus as Savior and King, we're guaranteed life forever with him, face to face in glory. Jesus was cast out in our place so that instead of us being cast out, we're brought in. Jesus endured the penalty we deserved in our place so that instead of paying the price, we received the gift of salvation. And Jesus bore the exile we deserved on the cross so that instead of us being sent into exile for eternity, we get to be at home with God forever. God took his people out of exile and then he took the exile out of his people in the Lord Jesus. And we need to ask ourselves if we've had the exile taken out of us by Jesus. It's not something that we can do. Everything necessary to make it possible has been done by the Lord Jesus on the cross. So I want to ask you this question. Will you come home to Jesus today? Enjoy the promise of being home with him forever. And I ask you to please pray with me now. Lord Jesus, we come to you. Uh, with praise and thanksgiving. You are the God who has dealt with the very root cause of all of the problems in our world, sin. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you, Lord God, brought about the return from exile for your Old Testament people. And then you brought about the removal of exile from the hearts of your people. Lord, we come to you and we come trusting you. We come confessing that, yes, we're sinners. Yes, we deserve exile. But we thank you that Jesus took it in our place, that we can be restored with you. And we eagerly await the hope of being with you face to face in glory, truly at home with you, our great and glorious God. And it's in Jesus' almighty name we pray.